Hey, hey, everybody. We're back with another episode of Business of Film, episode number 46. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you are listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. So every once in a while, we like to actually get our head out of the clouds and talk about stuff that's actually real and practical to filmmakers. Today is one of those episodes. We get into the nuts and bolts of insurance. We talk about talent insurance and general liability insurance and E&O insurance. It's sexy stuff, but it's important stuff. And uh, I actually, I don't mean to make a joke about it. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that every producer pretty much has to deal with. And, you know, when we, when we do these podcasts, we do talk a lot about theory. We talk about the state of the market and we talk about how to get your film distributed. And a lot of those stuff is somewhat, I don't want to say theoretical, but, but it is to a certain extent. Uh, and it's also very subjective. A podcast like this particular episode where we actually have somebody on the show uh, from an insurance brokerage. His name is Steve Beatty. Awesome guy. I worked with him for a number of years uh, over at Culture One. Uh, he's bringing his expertise to the show to share with us everything about uh, insurance and getting your film insured uh, and what you need to be thinking about. So uh, it, it, it is cool to dive into these nuts and bolts. Uh, I'm really happy to have had him on the show and for him to share that knowledge uh, with you today. Uh, also, uh, there's a little goodie for you. Uh, uh, listen all the way to the end. And uh, uh, well, actually, you don't even have to listen all the, all the way to the end. If you go to the show notes for the show, Craft Truck uh, slash BOF46. Then you will get uh, a guide to insurance uh, that will help uh, help you in your uh, endeavors to ensure that you've got, or at least that you understand the basic insurance requirements for your film. So, without further ado, uh, I introduce to you Steve Beatty uh, over at Culture One, and uh, thanks for listening. And just be sure uh, to check out the show notes and, and get that free guide because it's free and it's cool and it's all about insurance. Here we go. Well, my name is Steve, Steve Beatty, and I'm uh, uh, president of uh, Culture One, and we're uh, insurance brokers that uh, specialize in working with entertainment media companies, so film, TV production companies, theater producers, visual effects companies, post-production houses, anything really in entertainment. So uh, th- this, is, this is kind of a, uh, an interesting show for us. We do a lot of chats with people and talk about some pretty heady stuff when it comes to the business of film, but... We try and intersperse those conversations with people like yourself who are doing the nuts and bolts of the actual behind-the-scenes, quote-unquote, business of film. In this particular case, yeah. we're talking about insurance. So uh, maybe we can just kind of just start off with you setting the stage for our listeners. Can you kind of just group together what are the major buckets of insurance that that you provide typically to film producers? For sure. Um, sort of the key areas that we're, we're working in are ensuring uh, things like the talent in the film. So it could be situations where somebody's injured, they get sick, they can't perform um, as they're scheduled to do on their, on, in the shooting schedule. So we'll ensure any producer costs that uh, are, are incurred because of that. Um, then we ensure all of the, the gear, all of the property, everything that comes into, uh, whether it's a location, a studio, um, sets that are built, so everything that is uh, used in the production. And then we come into areas of liability, and liability can be things like somebody getting injured on set, on location, could be talent, could be crew, 
could be just a passerby or an extra. Um, we've also got damage to property, a shooting location, a studio. Somebody causes a fire. Somebody causes damage to the uh, the, the location itself. We cover that, and then we get into all the intellectual property liability exposures. So those are things like copyright infringement, uh, defamation of character. If you're dealing with things like a documentary uh, production. Also, uh, unauthorized use of um, other intellectual property like music and the film's title, uh, references to people in the film, and all of those. And those always present a big potential liability for um, for filmmakers as well. And also, too, with that, that liability, it's not just about using it, but it's also can be situations where somebody maybe disputes the the scope um, of uh, rights that were granted to a producer. So that's always a big issue we've got to deal with. So, I mean, it's a common thing, obviously. Well, it's not just common. It's a requirement, uh, almost by necessity, for most film producers, mm-hmm. unless you're doing something ultra-low budget and trying to keep under the radar. Uh, most places... Uh, if you're trying to rent a place uh, or if you're trying to even deliver a film to a distributor, they're going to require insurance in some form or other. It, they will. It, it is a bridge that, for the most part, all producers have to cross. Uh, That's and I think right. You, and I think you've actually framed out a real I, – I want to talk about each one of those things that you just, just laid out in detail. But before we, we do that, maybe you can kind of like take our listeners through what is the typical initial – conversations that you're having with a producer. So a producer calls you up for the first time and they say, I need insurance for my production. What are the next things that kind of happen on, on your end? Well, the first thing we try to do is really understand what the project's all about. Because obviously, um, depending on, on what's happening in that particular project, that's going to that's going to affect the the possible hazards and risks associated with, uh, with insuring it. So, you know, if you have something that's a very straightforward talking heads kind of piece, um, exposure is going to be relatively limited. Move your way up through and all of a sudden it becomes an action picture, uh, stunts, special effects, um, then all of a sudden the hazards and the risks go up. So we're going to want to drill down on on those particular risks. Um, so us understanding the project is hugely important. And then um, we'll sort of start looking at things like the budget, We'll look at what's being spent in certain areas. We'll look at, um, you know, what are the costs associated with ensuring the talent and the cast. Um, really, for us, it's just really try to so we try to delve in, get get to understand the project, and really then the more we understand. What's really key for us is the more we understand the project, the better we are able to communicate it to the insurance companies. Because you have to remember, us as brokers, we're between. Um, you as a producer or your listeners as producers um, and the insurance company. So our ability to understand the project and then communicate it um, in a very, uh, you know, we try to present things in the most positive light and also to produce, you know, to, to present the picture that the producer knows what they're doing and that the team of people they've assembled to, to produce the film know what they're doing. And that brings the comfort level of the insurance company up and ultimately does affect uh, the premium costs and the insurance company's willingness to insure that particular project. So I would say to everybody, you know, anyone who comes to us, the first conversations, tell me everything you can about the project. I want to know, you know, if there's stunts, if there's special effects, I want to know about that. I want to know anything about 
um, unusual locations or unusual sets that are being used. I want to know if there's any challenges with cast members, uh, whether it's scheduling or whether it might be pre-existing health conditions or other uh, situations that can affect their health. The more that we know, uh, the better, because the worst thing for us is to find something out after the fact and then be trying to backpedal in a way to, you know, have insurance coverage there. And That's actually something interesting that you just mentioned about, uh, I guess, the producers or the team's track record in producing similar types of content. Uh, yeah. I actually didn't realize that that had a weighting on the oh, it really evaluation. Does. It really does. I mean, we often are asked by insurance companies, you know, have, do we know the producer? Have we worked with the producer before? what their other projects have been. Um, definitely, definitely is the difference sometimes between, I mean, everything can be insured, but it's a case of getting it in at a, a premium and cost level that makes sense for the budget and for the project. And um, they always look at it that way for sure. They want to know that there's good people behind it. And something I didn't mention because as brokers we don't get involved in, but then there's the completion bonds that are done. These are the financial guarantees that are put out to, you know, secure financing. Um, and when you look at financing and completion bonds, the character of the individuals that are, are involved in the project, again, is hugely important to the bonders. So let's let's deconstruct this a bit then, piece by piece, and uh, yeah. and, and talk about each one of the various elements. Because I think it's worth having a discussion about all these elements because the the types of insurance that a producer would look to get or want to get for these elements will obviously have a bearing on the premium, i.e. the, the cost of insurance. So just, I, I want to just go through the list of things that, that you brought up in the beginning because I think that's just a, a great place for us to, to, you know, to unpack sure. some of this stuff. So let's start with talent. Yeah. Um, walk me through the kinds of talent insurance that a producer would want to get typically and maybe any of this, you know, the special riders or additional types of insurance coverage that they can get to cover themselves for any talent-related um, risks? Sure. So f- as, from the producer standpoint, when you start looking at cash, you want to look at what's the effect on your shooting schedule and your ability to complete the film if something happens to one, of your, one or more of your key people. Looking at that, you, you know, you've obviously got illness as an issue, you've got accidental injury, and then, of course, death. Those would sort of be your main three things. Um, spinning off of that could be other things that happen in that individual's life that may result in them not being able to carry out their duties that you've contracted them to perform. So something like a family bereavement, so a situation where you know, they lose their spouse, they lose a, a a part of their immediate family while they're and and they have to leave your your film in order to go and deal with family matters. Those can be issues as well that we'll ensure. But looking at those, the, the from a producer standpoint, I mean, you've got the the issue of what happens to your shooting schedule if these people can't perform for one of those reasons. And um, when you get into that, I mean, you could have just it could just halt production. It could require you to reschedule and reblock your entire schedule to work around and shoot around their absence while you're waiting for them to recover, while you're waiting for them to be able to return to the project. Uh, you need to look at those pure costs of just stopping. You've got to still pay your crew. You've got to still 
pay for your equipment rentals in certain cases. You've still got to pay for locations that you might have secured, studio time, things like that. The clock doesn't necessarily stop just because you're, you're not shooting. And so that's something that we would cover. But then also there's the extra costs that are incurred by having to then maybe extend your production schedule in order to accommodate their return or the, the, you know, the time that they missed early on, you might need to then incur additional costs just to complete the film. So those, those are kind of the two key areas when it comes to cast uh, and talent is the cost of the clock continuing to run while they're not performing and then the extra cost of getting the job done once they are back. You could also have a situation if somebody dies where you then need to recast. Again, you've got a time necessary to recast. You're going to have certain expenses that are continuing, whether you're shooting or not. And then again, those extra costs along the way um, for getting the, the project done. It's funny, you talk to insurers and everything just sounds so grim. Steve, It really man. does. <laughs> Jeez. Try working in it all day long. Yeah, no, you know, it's actually, I mean, it's a, it's a reality, but it's also, and it's obviously, I mean, when we talk specifically about talent, I mean, you, you can look at what happened this past year with, you know, Fast, Fast 7, and you just it just comes to light. I mean, that's something that happened completely outside of production. We all know the story there, you know, and but a lot of the people probably didn't think much beyond... Uh, the fact that the, either the, the the show would have completely shut down, uh, or yeah. that they would have recast, or they would have done you know major CGI work, but that all of that likely would have been covered by a, a fairly large insurance premium that the studio would take yeah. on, on on Paul Walker. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the whole thing is that by structuring these things and thinking about these things in advance of them happening, then we can at least make sure that the 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 insurance because really. The way that producers need to look at insurance isn't necessarily, it's not going to, it helps solve the problem, but it doesn't give the solution for solving the problem. All it simply does is give you the financing to sort of execute on a plan that you might have thought about and articulated in advance. And that's, that's a key thing, because when, when you as a producer go to make a claim with an insurance company, the insurance company is not going to tell you what to do. The adjusters aren't going to come up with the solutions. You need to go to them and say, this is what we want to do, here's what we're facing, and here's how much it's going to cost. And then you trigger the insurance policy to finance that solution. And that, that's a really key way of, of thinking about it, because then if you do that, then you're anticipating some of these, these uh, possibilities um, of of things occurring and uh, in advance, and you've thought them through a little bit. Say, hey, what happens if? So, because you know we. Sorry, yeah, go on. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Complete your thought. No, no, no. I was just going to say too, because we can also run into scheduling issues with with talent as well. You know, they might have stop dates built into their contracts that say, you know, we can't go beyond this date, and all of a sudden you've got that issue to contend with. Um, and I would they're sick. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about. Sick. I want to talk about those those quirks uh, and the, you know the, the specific policies that producers get uh, certainly, but just on this on this train of thought. But before we leave it, um, when it, when a producer gets talent coverage, are all the things that you've just outlined there are they generally part of the 
the quote-unquote boilerplate talent coverage? Or is any of this stuff that you're talking about things that a producer should say, oh, by the way, can you talk to me about the, you know, this, this, and this, which may be things that fall outside of a typical, a typical boilerplate. So really yeah. what I'm trying to figure out is, okay, a producer comes to you and they say, you know, I want talent coverage and general liability coverage and you know, all, the, all the basic stuff. Yeah. But what's the stuff that a producer wouldn't necessarily ask about or think about that they should that is going to potentially trip them up later on when they have to make a claim and all of a sudden the producer's like, well, wait a second, I, I thought that, that was part of my policy. Yeah, I mean, the family bereavement one I mentioned earlier, that, that's one they definitely want to ask about because that's not going to be an automatic coverage. I mean, most insurers will give it quite willingly. Um, it will be for a sublimited amount, so it won't necessarily be the full policy limit that you're going to be getting. Um, so that's definitely one you want to look at. You also want to make sure that there's continuous coverage, that there's some coverage for the pre-production period. So before you get into actual shooting time, you want to make sure that talent is covered. Uh, and also through the post period, because, you know, you may have to bring them back, right? And if they're not able to come back because they've died or they're injured or they're sick, then that can present you with an issue. Right. So that that pre, during and post period, those are things because most people think about it and say, well, we just need our cast coverage. Well, we're in production. But no, you know what? If you sign somebody on, protect, particularly in pre-production, if your financing is tied into a particular name or talent, um, something happens to them, then it can impact your financing and it might impact your ability to, to produce that film. So if you, what, we, what I always suggest to people is that if you've got a, a name, a very specific name that's tied into a project and your financing and, and, and the interest in the project is built around that person, then you want to buy a fairly extended period of coverage for pre-production. You want to look at it and say, okay, well, you know what, if anything happens like six months out of production, then we need to be able to trigger that policy because we've got a problem, right? If you wait until the day you begin principal and just insure the person on that date, then you're not going to be able to pr trigger the coverage um, prior to that. So, the, so that's something to really look into and think about. So that's, again, so that's not part of the typical coverage, is the pre-production? No, the pre-production, they might give you, like a lot of insurers will give you 30 days or less of pre-production coverage. If you need advanced or what we call extended pre-production, then you have to ask for it and you have to arrange it. There'll be some additional questions asked. There'll be... You know, they'll be looking into, well, what's the individual jur doing during that time? You know, are they, you know, are they recreational skydivers or airplane pilots or rock climbers? You know, they'll want to know a little bit about what their activities are um, just to try and assess the risk a bit. It's not difficult coverage to arrange. It's just one of those things that needs to be on the table for discussion uh, so that it, it gets addressed. Um, the other thing, too, with talent is, is just buying cast insurance doesn't necessarily mean you've got the full uh, scope of coverage. Um, most producers are used to sending talent for medicals. Um, what you want to do there is, um, is make sure that those, those medicals are done as far out in advance as you can do them. Um, if you know somebody, an individual has some sort of pre-existing condition or they're, you know, the age now for... A lot of, um, God, it's getting lower and lower, but it's probably around 60 to 65 years of age where um, 
the underwriters will look specifically that individual's medical to determine if they're going to give coverage. And so if you're dealing with an older cast member, you want to deal with some of those things in advance because what you don't want to find yourself with is a situation where you've locked them in, you're starting principal, and then some pre-existing condition comes to light that you can't get insurance for. So let's say, for instance, the person has a heart condition. And, you know, if you don't know about that until the medical coming in 24 hours before you begin shooting and then you get a heart condition exclusion, it's going to be very, very difficult to deal with that. Um, one of the things we use to deal with that is, is information. That could be information from the individual's personal physician or specialists where we can give the underwriters the true picture of what is, the, what is this medical condition that this person is dealing with. Is it controlled through medicine? If they stay on a regimen of prescription drugs, is that going to be okay? Uh, and then usually what we can do is we can kind of carve, we can kind of bring some coverage back in and not be sitting with an outright exclusion. So again, time is really, really crucial with this. The ability to use the time to get information is, is hugely important. So, let's, so medicals so, in advance are valuable. Yeah, no, that, that, that's all really, really cool stuff uh, and obviously absolutely practical. The, the, the flip side to everything you're saying, though, is which cast members to actually insure. Because, and just correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, let's say you've got two leading stars here. Um, yeah. And I'm actually curious about this because if you've got two leading stars and you uh, you arrange coverage for, for both of them, but then let's say you're halfway through through your shoot and your third lead in the movie, who you yeah. did not, uh, supporting player, important part, maybe they've been in half the scenes in the movie, but yeah. they're not your star, you didn't get coverage for them, all of a sudden something happens to them. Are yeah. you effectively out of luck at that point? Yeah, if you haven't insured that individual, you could be for sure. The um, you, you've got to designate the individuals, the cast individuals that you're you're wanting to insure. They have to go through a medical process in order to to have them insured. Um, so what I you know it, the greatest the, the best thing actually in the the development in the last few years is that insurers have become pretty liberal when they're quoting with the number of cast members that they're including in kind of their basic premiums, which is really nice. At one time, you know, it used to be your first five cast members, you know, you might get them included in your production insurance premium, but every one after that was going to be 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, 2,000 bucks, depending on the size of the project. Now, you know, we often see quotes coming in with up to 10 cast members insured automatically within the the premiums premiums right now are pretty good on on film projects fairly competitive among insurers so the rates have come down so i look at it from the standpoint that i would insure as, as many of those lead key players um as you can and really your only cost potentially is going to be extra cost is going to be having medicals done in fact some of the insurers now are are moving to just accepting a medical questionnaire from the talent and then approving it without a medical, which is, you know, it's nice because it removes the cost, right? It removes the cost of sending them out to a doctor. Now, if we end up with a medical condition that we have to deal with, then yeah, we might, we might have them go to a doctor if we're trying to broaden the coverage, but it helps streamline the process and helps reduce the cost. So let's let's shift gear now into the next major bu- bucket of insurance coverage, uh, ye old general liability or the entertainment package. Uh, this right. is this is the uh, the nuts and bolts of what 
you're getting or you're 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 paying for mm-hmm. when you're getting a, an insurance policy. It, it, it's your biggest yeah. line. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is your biggest line item in the in in the insurance pack, package. Yeah, it would be. I mean, normally, yeah, it's going to be the bigger of the of the sort of three or four components for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this, and 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 in a way that uh, I guess a producer can relate to the things that they absolutely should have as part of their general liability package, and the things that perhaps they might not again think about, but would want to inquire about. Okay, so if we look at uh, let's talk about the general liability first, because that's something that you know you're commonly asked for. It could be a location asking for it. It could be. Uh, a rental house asking for it. It could be a variety of different parties looking for proof of general liability insurance. And, and unfortunately, general liability insurance, the very name of it doesn't really say what it is. So the trigger to a general liability claim is bodily injury or property damage, right? So those are the two things that are going to allow you to use that policy when one of those things occurs. So it's it's generally an injury to a, a third party or, or or another company or person's property. So, in an example of uh, of uh, you know your 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 shooting, you're on location. There's an accident. Something occurs. You've got crew injured. You've got perhaps some people who are standing by injured. You might have your talent injured. That's kind of a classic bodily injury claim that you'd see under a general liability policy. If there's property damage, then you've got that element of coverage that you're going to trigger with the general liability. So those, those are the two things. So the incident occurring, the accident occurs, people are hurt, property is damaged. That's what the general liability coverage is there to deal with. Now, it deals with two elements. It deals with, for the producer, it deals with putting up a legal defense if the claim is brought against them by one of those parties. So it could be somebody who's injured or it could be somebody's property who's been damaged. They'll pay for the lawyers to deal with the claim, to put up a, a defense, to manage it all the way through the process. And I think all of us know that that can be a fairly costly exercise to go through. Um, many of these claims don't necessarily go into litigation or into a court environment, but they, there's still significant legal fees in establishing what actually occurred and whether the producer was actually liable for those damages. And, and, and in the legal world, the, the key thing with liability and establishing liability is whether there was negligence. And simple legal definition of, of negligence is doing or failing to do what a reasonable person would do. Okay, right? so, so this, this is what this whole process is about. And it's also, it's also worth just, just going on a small tangent here because I, obviously yeah. uh, another major recent event in the film industry being the loss of life um, uh, of the first AD on the uh, train track of the, uh, Mm -hmm. and this raises into question. I I believe there were questions about uh, insurance coverage or the insurers not insuring the property because of potentially producer negligence. Uh, I mean, I think it's just worth, I mean, you, you've probably been covering that story as well as, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has, but mm-hmm. I would like very much to get your opinion on that uh, because it's just, it's it's a tragic accident, but also a really important case study of what producers need yeah. to be doing. Yeah, insurers, 
See, insurers, one of the things they're undertaking to do, and it's a responsibility they, they undertake on the policy, is to defend you and to deal with your this claim if it's brought against you. Um, if you've done something, I mean, the reality is is that negligence and liability, they go hand in hand. So somebody doing something that maybe wasn't a good decision, making a decision that wasn't good, that resulted in somebody being injured, um, that doesn't mean the insurer is going to walk away from the claim. Um, the, the only way an insurer really, I mean, in very basic terms, the only way an insurer is able to walk away from a, a claim is if you've intentionally done something that damages somebody, somebody's property or that injures somebody. So let's be really clear that there's intent to injure or damage. Um, other than that, like we have a lot of, like we always say to people, like, you know, a lot of, you know, people just, things happen and it truly is one of those things that people make decisions to do something, they set something up that they think is safe uh, in retrospect under analysis. Yeah, it, it, it turned out not to be the best way to do it, but it, it doesn't allow your insurer to walk away from you and not deal with your defense as a producer and pay those legal fees as you establish you know, what really happened. And, and just because an accident occurs doesn't necessarily mean somebody's negligent, right? Sometimes accidents just occur. But again, getting through that process is hugely, hugely expensive because of the legal fees and the specialists that you're bringing in to analyze and, and determine what actually happened in an accident. So um, that, to me, I often say to people, the real value in a, li a liability policy is that aspect of it. That ability, that that situation where you suddenly find yourself with an injury, you find yourself being sued, you turn it over to your insurance company, and they put a very good lawyer on it who starts to manage that process for you. You have to participate in the process. You have to give information. You have to be part of examinations for discovery and all sorts of different things like that that would be part of the legal process. But at the end of the day, the insurer is paying those fees for you, and they're not coming out of pocket. So, how much um, how much liability and in, 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 uh, general liability um, premiums should a producer be getting on a project? Uh, I mean, some in terms of, that of an are, amount of insurance. Yeah, in terms of the amount, of amount? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you typically see the minimum required by, like, I think the city of Toronto, they're still sitting at a two million dollar minimum requirement. Um, uh, I, I personally think now no less than $5 million. I mean, I really do. I mean, if you can, the bulk of your premium as a producer is going to be in the first $2 million of coverage anyway. So then what you're doing is anything above that that you buy. So if you go from a $2 million to a $5 million limit, it's, it's not going to be two and a half times the cost. It's, it's going to be, you know, maybe an extra depending on the size of the project, anywhere from 300 to $1,000 per extra million, right? So what you do is you buy an amount that you're comfortable with, and then anything above that, you look at it and say, I'm buying it for peace of mind. I want to have that extra coverage, I, uh, uh, and I can afford to work that into my budget. Um, there's no real, there's no formula to say how much liability insurance you need because that's going to be dictated by the significance and the severity, perhaps, of an accident. So if you're looking at, let's say you have a setup in a studio where you've got a, you know, let's say you're sitting in a $20 million studio and you've got um, $2 million of liability coverage because that's all that was asked for of the, of the producer, 
you cause a fire, an electrical fire that causes damage to the studio. You've got two other studios in that particular facility that are in use with two producers producing films in there. You knock them out and you damage their property. All of a sudden, you're looking at it and saying, well, I've got significant damage to the studio. I've now interrupted the operations of two other producers and potentially the future revenues of that studio. $2 million is gone pretty quickly, right? So you want to look at things and say, well, maybe I need five, maybe I should have 10. And uh, people don't sometimes think of that, the, the cumulative effect of an accident and what can actually happen. What does actually happen? I mean, $2 million, $5 million, $10 million, what you've just described is a pretty catastrophic situation. But, it but, is, yeah. but it's also worth thinking about these situations because, well, that is the point of insurance. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what would practically happen if you, in any situation where you run out of uh, your limit? Well, yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, that's, that's a great question because cause what happens is that your your legal obligations to that judgment or that settlement don't stop based on how much insurance you have. So if there's if there's a settlement of let's say five and a half million dollars, and you only have two million dollars of liability coverage, then the producer does have the, you know they're sitting with that that uh, that uninsured liability, and they have to deal with it. And you know, that's a, that's a terrible situation to find yourself in where you've got an underinsured amount with a big settlement. Although the producer would typically be, most producers at least, would be running their production through a limited liability company. So You're right. Liability You're right. Would so there's going to be some legal protection yeah. there for sure. Um, and that's a great question too. I, I don't know if you've had a lawyer on the program, but that's a really good question for them as well is what happens and how much how much... Um, protection are you granted through a, a limited liability corporation and if it's a single purpose production company owned by a much larger parent are the are they able to kind of pierce through that sort of veil that corporate veil in order to attach that claim against the parent company next time and, on business of film yeah Legal <laughs> I feel like it. That's I should, a good one. I should do an infomercial now. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, I, just because we're uh, getting getting close to the end of our time, I want to just get through a couple other things that I think are pertinent sure. to our listeners. Uh, the first being uh, the last two elements that you talked about initially being E and O, yes, insurance. Uh, which I guess falls under the bucket of any kind of intellectual property insurance. And, and is there a separation there between intellectual property insurance and E&O insurance, or do those two things kind of merge? So just, they do merge, yeah. yeah it's so, quite synonymous, yeah. Yeah, so just, just, just talk about that in greater detail. Sure, okay. So as, as anybody knows who's financed a film or signed a distribution agreement or license agreement with a broadcaster, a typical requirement is that producers' errors and emissions coverage. And um, the producers' errors and emissions coverage is designed to, to deal with, uh, much like the general liability, is to deal with the costs associated with a claim related to an alleged uh, infringement or unauthorized use of intellectual property or defamation um, of character and as I say in the case of a documentary so you know when you think of all the things that come into to a film you've got perhaps underlying, uh, underlying story rights you've got screenplays you've got um, 
music, you've got talent agreements, um, you've got all you know other visual elements that are used in the film. All of these things have some sort of generally some sort of ownership by another party or by you know perhaps the producers themselves. But what we need to do is we need to make sure that um, in the event that somebody claims the producers using those without proper authorization, we need to make sure that that the policy is going to respond to, again, deal with it. Are they dealing with it on an unauthorized basis? What is the situation? And again, this is where the intellectual property lawyers come into play, right? So hugely important, again, looking at an E&O policy, how does it deal with the defense? Will it pay those legal fees? If, um, if, if a claim comes out, you know, we see things often where, you know, we think we've got an original idea, producers produced it. And next thing we know out of the woodworks comes somebody from the other side of the world saying that's actually that, you know, that's based on my short film or that's based on my short story that I wrote 10 years ago. And, and then we've got to start sifting through all of the facts and figure out, you know, is there any infringement is it just a coincidence but even if it's a coincidence we still have to deal with with the possibilities of legal fees and that being incurred um in the area of um you know a lot of producers will question well why do i need you know insurance if i am going through this process of abs dotting all my i's and crossing all my t's and clearing absolutely everything that's part of the film and, you know, part of it is to remove all of the obvious things, you know, making sure that you've got the proper rights for music, making sure that if it's original music, that you have a, a good, solid composer's agreement that, that will protect you for, um, from the standpoint of uh, the composer's warranties of originality. These are all things that, um, you know, we want to just go through. They're all the obvious things. But what we see when it comes to E&O claims are, are things that you didn't see coming, Right. It's that, as I say, that somebody lobbying, perhaps just lobbying something over, making the allegation that it's it's their story that you've you've just built your film around, right? And also, I mean, j- just to be clear for anybody who's listening, you the other reason why you need E&O is on a practical basis, and for the most part, you cannot sell your film unless you've got E&O yeah. insurance because no yeah. distributor or buyer uh, or broadcaster will purchase it without ha- getting that certificate from their insurer. Yeah. It's just a condition they won't waive, right? Yeah, like they just, yeah. It's a non-negotiable. You're right, Jesse, for sure. I just think it's just, it's just worth, worth mentioning because I know that's not necessarily on the insurer's desk because you're thinking primarily about, okay, how do I get the producer the most coverage? But on the producer's side of the equation, that's what they're inevitably going to be faced with. So I just thought that that was worth yeah. just, just pointing out. Um, uh, so let Let's just talk about the timing because this is something that uh, that you actually brought to my attention on the last show that we did together, and uh, uh, this was a new product which I thought was absolutely fabulous because there used to be a, a term on the you know policy that is you could only buy That's it right. and get it for like three years or five years or it would cap out it's I think it was like three four years something like that. But if you were selling yeah. it, if you were selling it to a, a broadcaster and they wanted a five year term. Well, then in year five, you'd have to go and rebuy you know, insurance. But I understand now that there's a product that actually deals with that specific problem. Yeah, what it is, it's um, the terminology that we use in the, in, in the insurance industry is the, the policy you're referring to where it had like a multi-year term was called a claims-made 
policy. And a claims-made policy would generally say you're insured for this three-year, four-year, five-year period. And in order for a claim to be covered under that type of policy, the claim would actually have to be made against you and presented to your insurance company during that period of time. So that that was why we, we would see broadcasters and distributors asking for these multi-year policies. And the thinking was that, let's say we release the film and it has has uh, multiple screenings through a one-year period, and then nobody ever sees the film again. What they want to do is they want to make sure that there's a broad enough or a wide enough window of time for a claim to actually come in from a third party and then be insured, because they know with a claims-made policy that if you bought a one-year claims-made policy and the claim came in two years after the film was was first released, there'd be no coverage. So that's why you see these three, four, five-year policies. <clears throat> what we've done and seen in the industry, and, and I'm happy it's moved in this direction because it's something I've always advocated, is to what's called an occurrence-based policy. And that's what you were referring to, Jesse, a policy where you basically don't have to buy these multi-year terms. You basically insure the project. And what you have to do is, is satisfy within a prescribed period the fact that you've produced and publicly disseminated your film. So you've released your film to the public in a prescribed period. So it could be one year period, it could be a two year period, and then the coverage carries on in perpetuity. And that, that what I like about it is it's really cost effective for a producer because you buy the E&O policy once. If you've got future sales on it, you don't have to worry about the fact that your E&O policy has now expired and you have to buy another E&O policy. You always go back to say, well, the film is in its original form. I go back to my old E&O policy and I present my new foreign distributor with the certificate of insurance to say, there it is. I've got E&O insurance on the project. Fantastic. It's much easier to manage and much more cost effective. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great addition. It was always something that it I, is. I remember a decade ago, those... Uh, sorry, excuse me, those claims made policies as you were referring to, they were always such a headache for a producer. So it is, that is wonderful to see that that's changed in the insurance industry. So, well, and it's great yeah. too because the broadcasters have opened up to it. Um, at one point they were resisting it, but most of them now understand it and will accept an occurrence-based policy, which is great. So two, two last questions for you just before we wrap up. Um, and these are, yeah. the, these are my, my big picture questions. I think it's, it's taken us a long time just to get through the bases. I might even have to have you come back on the show just to Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah, happy uh, to. These, these questions, they never seem to end. But the, my two big <laughs> questions for you is the crossover between insurance and bond, because a lot yes. of times a producer will say, well, I've got insurance, why do I need a bond? Or yes. uh, I don't, you, you can't go the other way around because you, you really need, and she, like, you have to have insurance, that's your base, but why yeah. do I need a bond? That's sort of that, and that crossover of where they cross over. And my second okay. and final question for you is, what are the mistakes that producers always make when it comes to buying insurance premiums? Okay, all right, so... We'll deal with the bond one first. So the bond, the difference between your production insurance and your bond is the bonder is basically guaranteeing to the finance, whoever's financing the project, that this producer is going to complete it on time and on budget. 
those are their two key focuses, right? So what, again, and going back to at sort of the top of the conversation where we talked about character and the individuals producing, that's why that's so important to a blonder is they're going to look at the team, the people, they're going to look at the budget, and they're going to say, is it possible to produce this film with those people at that budget? And if the answer is yes, then they're going to be prepared to put the guarantee up. And that's the thing with a bonder is they're, they're, they're giving a financial guarantee to the financiers on the picture to say that we're basically, you know, we're co-signing for these people. We're, we're putting up, if they can't do it, if this thing falls off the rails, you're not going to lose your investment. We're going to, we're going to make good on that. And so it's a huge risk for completion guarantors if they've got a team of people that maybe it's their first film or maybe the budget is just too tight, you know, too much has to happen um, in order to, uh, to complete that project or there's too many variables could, that could set that thing off the rails. And, and that's, that's why a bonder always looks and says, do you have the basic production insurance in place? Is the talent insured for accident, illness, and death? Right? Is the uh, are the key locations insured? Is there is there liability insurance in place? They're going to want to look very carefully at those things to make sure those things are in place. So bonding, it's a pure financial guarantee that the picture is going to be completed on time and on budget. And then getting to your other question about mistakes. That's I think the way you framed it was mistakes that producers maybe make or things that they don't look at. Um, I think that if I had to say, and it's not really a mistake, but it's, I think too many, and it, it's, it happens to a lot of producer, like production managers, line producers, is they don't spend a lot of time really drilling down on what the exposures are and having the kinds of discussions that need to take place between themselves and the broker to make sure that the project is properly insured. There's, there's sometimes a tendency to go, okay, the premium came within the line item amount, so therefore we're all right, right? It's important, I think, to spend the time um, with the broker, with your broker, talking about some of these things, asking the questions, learning a little bit about the coverage um, so that you can ask good intelligent questions um, and ask more importantly of the things you're not insured for. You know, people will often ask the question, well, Steve, what am I insured for? And, and I, I try to get them to, 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 to reframe that in their minds, say, well, what am I not covered for? What are the things that wouldn't be covered by my general liability? What are the things that might derail me when it comes to equipment coverage when I'm insuring, you know, a rental company's cameras? Look at it from that standpoint. And the only way you can really do that is to drill down and, and, and get to understand the, the coverage a little bit. And there's lots of good information out there. I mean, Culture One, we've got a, a great uh, guide that, you know, helps bring it. it. It takes a lot of technical stuff and distills it into really com easy to understand language oh, that will great. allow a producer, yeah, like will allow a producer to be able to ask some good questions, right? Can we, uh, um, can we share that with our audience uh, if you send me a copy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'll send you a copy and you can share that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so anybody who's listening, if you go to the show notes for this episode, which will be crafttruck.com slash BOF, 46. This is going to be episode 46. Uh, so crafttruck.com slash BOF46. We will include in the show notes a free copy of 
Culture One's guide to insurance, and uh, that that's great, Steve. Uh, listen, yeah, that, I, and that that'll be helpful to people for sure. Yeah, and I, I guess just to sort of just in a nutshell, um, try and use the time, like you know, start the insurance process well in advance, long before you go to camera, and then then there's not that urgency of oh gosh, we got to get certificates out, we got to do this, we got to do that. Just use that that time so that there's lots of opportunity for discussion and good questions to be asked and answered. And if people want to connect with you, Steve, after this call, or they have any questions about uh, yeah. their insurance coverage, what's the best way for them to to be in touch with you? Well, um, certainly through email is great. It's Steve dot b e a t t y at culture one dot com. Or uh, at the office, uh, give us a call. We'd love to chat with people. It's uh, area code nine zero five six three one. 0805 and my personal extension is 801 so feel free to call anytime this is this has been fantastic i just i feel like we just got through so much and we're, we're a little over time on this episode um normally we, we only go for 40 minutes uh, but now we're, okay. we're we're scratching 50 but there's just so much good stuff uh, yeah, I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah, no, it's it, it's really cool to get granular with some of this stuff. We, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we we are sometimes kind of heady on this uh, in terms of talking about theory and just you know market conditions. But it, it really is nice to get into the nuts and bolts of some of this stuff with you. And, and like I said, we will have to have you back on the show. I want to do a complete yeah, anytime. Show. Yeah, I want to do a complete show with you, Steve. Frankly, just about train wrecks because I just think some. <laughs> The ex- a lot of them. Yeah, no, no, but it's it's in those examples, yeah. in those case studies where you really learn and where pre- producers can really start thinking about, okay, I yeah. gotta think about that for my show. Anyway, Steve, thanks okay, again cool. for your time, man. No and, problem, Jesse. Yeah, we'll talk to Anytime. you soon. Yeah. Okay, cool. Take care. Bye. Bye.